1: Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of The Geek Buddies!
0: Hey!
1: Well, if you eagle eye listeners, I say eagle eye or eagle ear listeners, uh, notice one voice is missing from that intro. Uh, Unfortunately. um, And we'll get to that in just a second. But let's introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm John Roca. I'm a a writer, producer, and host over at Collider, co-host of the Top Ten Show and the Cinephiles. Uh, And uh, to uh, directly across from me is...
0: Michael Vogel, uh, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And uh, it is just the two of us here. It is. It is. Uh, We have no Shannon McClung this week. But we have... He has a really good reason. A really good reason. We cannot talk about... But that both of us are extremely happy. Uh, Yes, Shannon, as as you might know from listening to every episode of the Shannon of uh, the Shannon McClung show, Show. the (laughs) Shannon McClung show. Uh, He he's he's had lots of roles in TV and in the past. He he lets us know uh, what they are, and he is currently off uh, shooting another one. Yes, so uh, he booked something and he could not make it this week. Mm -hmm. So we are very happy for him. So let's give Shannon a big Geek Buddies congratulations. Um, Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, And it's, yeah, so it's just me and Johnny this
1: week. (laughs) That's right. You're going to get the sterling uh, uh, conversation between me and Michael Vogel. This is going to be a lot of fun. You know, this is what we did for years. Uh, Over two decades of conversations have gone into this relationship. Fights. blood, Sweat. Tears. Storming off. Driving off. Anything you could possibly as, uh, uh, conceive of in a relationship. We might not friendship. make it
0: through this episode. This <laughs> might be the end of the Geek Buddies. Without Shannon here to uh, yeah. to, to keep us to keep us uh, calm, we might lose it. It's certainly
1: possible. Um, we are going to keep the basic construction of the show the same. We're going to each do a, a Geek News story and then throw in a third one in honor of Shannon. But then we're going to get to our main topics. And our main topics, we decided – we had a little bit of dinner at Woodrich, And we decided that we would surprise each other – with a battle from the past, a subject that we've battled about from the past that's kind of topical to what's going on in the world because there's not a lot of news dropping this week.
0: Basically, I was really mad that I missed out on this whole trial of John Roca Goonies situation. <laughs> yeah,
1: when you were out because you were doing Because I was yourself. off drinking
0: no. rosé on a- – on a on a on a dock somewhere, which is not as good a reason as Shannon, but I missed out on this and yeah. listened as you ran circles around McClung. How dare you? Uh, he gave a good fight.
1: He did he though? I thought did he did he though. I came out in the
0: end. So yeah, so I have my uh, Roca battle topic ready for the <laughs> ready ready for the show. So I'm I'm ready for it. But after the geek news, oh don't worry, I got one for you too. All right.
1: Let's jump into this thing. Well, the first uh, thing we should talk about, uh, speaking of geek stuff, is Andy Serkis. Um I know it's been talked about in a couple other places, but I thought we should uh, kind of discuss it ourselves, our unique perspectives on this um, idea that he is stepping into the director's chair for Venom 2, replacing uh, Ruben Fleischer, I think, yep. to step in and do Venom on the heels of Venom, making like $850 million worldwide. Tom Hardy's coming back. Well, we assume Woody Harrelson will be back as Carnage because we got teased uh, with that at the end of the last uh, 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 installment and Michelle Williams possibly coming back as well.
0: I mean – what do you think? What do you think of Andy Circus, the director? What are, what are your well, thoughts here?
1: Here's my feeling on it is I don't – I haven't seen enough of his resume, two films, to hand him uh, a second installment of this massive franchise now because of how the first one did that is supposed to also kind of keep this idea of this spider-verse in essence going at Sony, right? Uh, I also think it's a dangerous job to take for Andy Serkis. Because that first film, which is not a good film, I don't care what anyone says, it's got its quirks or it's interesting whatever, it's still made over $800 million worldwide. And if you step in to take over and do the directing on the film and it makes like $600 million worldwide or $700 million or five it isn't received as well because for whatever reason, either you didn't do a good film – and it didn't get gravitate with audience or you did a good film and it still didn't connect with audiences like Bumblebee didn't to the to the extent that the previous installments of Transformers did then how do we assess you as a director and then
0: how do we assess the film i mean let's be real yes venom made 800 million dollars yes it like you said it is not a good movie no so really could andy circus do any worse
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good approach i like that i
0: act. mean he's coming in uh You know, I mean, he's got a lot of geek love. We all we all love Andy Serkis. We do. We all all love Gollum. We all love Caesar. Like we love the work that he does. Uh, We love Claw and Black Panther. Like he's he's done a lot of really fun stuff. He's kind of the, uh, you know, the um, the spokesperson for mocap technology and mocap actors. Absolutely. Um, And I think that Venom is such a horrible movie (laughs) that um, I mean you could have a monkey direct it and it would probably be better and Ooh. they literally do have a monkey directing oh, well. it it's caesar yeah. like so like we're good to go <laughs> um yeah so i think i think it Uh, I I so dislike Venom as a movie that uh, him directing this movie actually kind of makes me at least mildly interested in what it's going to be. And, yeah, I don't think he could do any worse. And so to your point about I don't think Venom, one, made money because that particular story or script resonated with anybody. I think Venom is such a huge character in comic books Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and as as part of like the probably the most one of the most popular, if not the most popular, in Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery, yeah. people were just so excited to see Venom on screen that they went and kind of you know, took took, took what they got. Yeah. So I hopefully he'll give us more. Maybe maybe because of his um expertise in motion capture technology, mm-hmm. he'll bring some new levels to the way that they Visualize venom and carnage, yeah. or how the actors work with that. I mean, there's there's a lot of really interesting possibilities. I'm curious as to why why he campaigned to be the director for this movie, or why Sony like let him do it. Like, I yeah. do think it's a really interesting choice, um, but it's at least interesting. So yeah,
1: that's for sure. And it you know clearly they wanted to do something else with it. I mean, you could say Oh Zombieland 2 kind of got in the way, but if they wanted to wait for him, they would have waited for him. So, OK, what are we going to do with Andy Sir? I, I'm excited by the choice. I'm just trepidatious and worried for him that if it doesn't turn out well, it could affect him as a director and down the road. So, I mean, but you make a great point, like this idea that it can't be
0: any worse. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do worse than Tom Hardy sitting in a lobster tank <laughs> talking to himself in a restaurant. Some so. people
1: defend that scene as, as the
0: reason they enjoy the movie. And that's mind blowing. Some people are wrong. <laughs> Some people are just wrong. Speaking of Michelle Williams,
1: real quick, I want to throw this out there to anybody who hasn't uh, or isn't watching it right now. But um, if you missed that Fosse-Verdon thing on FX, go back and watch it. Find it. It's on – we're watching it on Hulu, my girlfriend and I. Mad in love with this show. If I wasn't with my girlfriend, when I started it at 8 o'clock last night with her, I probably would have stayed up till 3 a.m. trying to finish it. Really? No lie. It is that – Fucking good, and as a musical theater person, because I love musical theater and musical theater in musical theater, uh, not just on film. It was fascinating to go back to that time. Uh, uh, Neil Simon, who's entering his prime, a Patty Chayefsky, who's just come off winning the Oscar for Marty, uh, uh, a number of other Liza Minnelli, Shirley MacLaine, all these people in this story, and yet Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell's in, uh, impersonation or interpretation of. Bob Fosse, just incredible work.
0: I haven't watched it yet. And
1: you're gay. I, I know. I as a straight
0: man, I've watched it. If I don't watch it soon, I think they're going to come and take my gay <laughs> card away. Like I, I, I actually kind of live in fear. Like I keep sneaking in and out of my apartment because I think they're coming for me. Like if I don't watch it soon, I'm gonna get. It's almost a year. If the, and if they take my gay card away, then I have to start wearing like cargo shorts yep, and like yep. it's, it's it's bad. It's bad oh, all around. Flip flops. Like sales. pull my pull white socks up, socks up to my ankles. <laughs> or, like, it's bad. It's bad all around.
1: Anyway, all right, so what's our um, so we'll see what happens, obviously, because this is just an announcement of a director. We don't know yet how it's going to go down. We don't know full casting and everything like that, so uh, we look forward to hearing more about that. What's our second story, Mike? So, uh,
0: our second story, I got really excited about this. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a young adult book that came out uh, a little while ago that I was a big, big fan of. It's called Children of Blood and Bone um, by this woman, uh, Tommy Adiyami. Adiyami. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an amazing book, it got picked up um, by Fox to be made into a film and as everybody knows and we've talked about like with the Disney Fox merger, a lot of films that were on the Fox slate, you know, have been uh, up in the air and are they going to get made, are they not going to get made, what's going to happen with Mm. them and uh, it was just announced not only – uh, is Children of Blood and Bone moving forward at Disney? Yeah, but it caught the attention of Kathleen Kennedy, and it's being made by Lucasfilm, Ooh. which kind of takes it up uh, a few notches to be like pretty high priority. Particularly because for Lucasfilm to make any movie that is not an Indiana Jones movie or a Star Wars movie is like really, really big news. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's really, really interesting, um, and it kind of shows that like there's a lot of um, of heat behind it. It's mm-hmm. not just kind of being made. Uh, a continuation or it's going to be made through some other production house. Like yeah. Lucasfilm is like part one of the crown jewels of Disney. Right. Um, and this is an amazing book. People should definitely go out and check it out, Children of Blood and Bone. What's really interesting about it is um, most fantasy books that we read are kind of told through a typical um, medieval European mm-hmm. white Anglo-Saxon sort of uh, sure. viewpoint. So we've got – Castles and countryside and knights in shining armor and everything that's kind of pulled from the European history of things. Right. And uh, what what uh, what Adeyemi did is she wrote a fantasy world that is based uh, more around her Nigerian ancestry and from Africa. Mm-hmm. So the world of uh, Orisha or Orisha, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but uh, the mm-hmm. world that she created is very much an African world. Uh, all of the characters are sort of based uh, on more African roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an entirely black cast of characters and it's all about like magic coming back to this world and this one girl who's on this journey to bring magic back to the world and she actually said the author, she ended up coming up with this idea and writing the book because of working through her uh Anxieties, her fears, hmm. her issues with uh, you know young black men getting shot by police. Wow, and that was sort of what sparked this idea for her, and she wrote this book. It blew up. It is a huge, huge book. The second book in the series is coming out in December, okay. and now Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm are behind the movie. So, yeah. um, just from a level of like diversity, a different kind of take on a fantasy world, um, a really popular book that's getting made, and Lucasfilm doing something that's not a Star Wars movie. thats like, yeah.
1: really, really big news. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. We talked about it a little bit on Movie Talk today. <clears throat> Obviously, I don't know it as well as you do, so it's interesting to hear your point of view on it and from having read the book and what motivated the author to write the book. It has shades of J.K. Rowling. You know, yeah, she's been com-
0: compared to J.K. Rowling right. a lot.
1: Writing her book as she's, you know, like dealing with not making money or being on the dole and worried about her child and all this kind of jazz and suffering her own insecurities and creating this character and this whole universe out of this thing. Um, it's interesting too that this is an already this is already a project that's been put together before Disney showed up, before yeah. Lucasfilm showed up. So this is a, an interesting choice to make for them as a studio because you look at like Mortal Engines or you look at uh, City of Valerian, you look at these other young adult. Films even the uh, diminishing returns of the um, the other young adult film that was out recently. Uh, I think Kate Winslet was Shailene Woodley. All of them were. A oh, part the. Of it. Um, 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 yeah, exactly. That one. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and the Divergent stuff. All, all that it, it, it didn't. You know, I don't know how much space there is in the world. F- I mean, in the well, film for this kind of sh- couple story. things.
0: Couple things that I would say, yeah. uh, having read a lot of those young adult books, uh, this is better. The book is better. Fair, fair. So first of all, the book um, is a lot more interesting. You know, I mean we sort of got to that point uh, after Hunger Games came out and blew up so big that we yeah. got like every single version of young female character in future dystopian society, makes discovery, falls in love with boy, has to do this and this and this. The world has now changed forever. Yeah. And what's really great about Children of Blood and Bone is that it's at the sa- it, it's, it's at the exact same time both – totally different than anything you've read before mm-hmm. and completely familiar. Like it, mm. it it follows all of those great things that you love about yeah. any of these books, about a hero's journey. Here is a world where there's this oppressive force that is keeping a group of people down mm-hmm. and it's about this one young girl who is the key to unlocking magic and bringing back things the way that they are and she's scared and she's afraid and it's her and her brother mm. and this young woman and they're being chased by this the, – the prince of the kingdom and it's like – it's got all the hallmarks of an epic fantasy that you love in a world that is unlike anything we're used to reading because no. it, like I said, it's not the typical fantasy wizarding world. It's a completely different world and uh, and she writes about the world so um, – so wonderfully and beautifully yeah. like you feel that you're in this world and even you know one of my favorite things as a nerd um, is when you get a fantasy book and you open up that first page and you see the map so whether mm-hmm. it's like middle earth in lord of the rings or narnia or whatever like you have that map and the second that you open up this book and you look at the map you're like oh this is the, it's the jungle and it's the forest and it's the rainforest yeah. and like you're in these villages and it's just it's it's written in a way and it's great i mean you know as we talk about when we talk about diversity uh and um you know, representation. It's always important, like, you know, as, as someone a part as part of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. I love seeing gay people represented. And sure. if you are um, black, you love to see black people represented. If you're Mexican, if you're Latin, if you're Muslim, like, seeing yourself represented is important. Yeah. But I think what was also great about my experience with Children of Blood and Bone is diving into a book and experiencing a world that is so different from my world was actually really exciting. And I think that's what's going to make this stand apart from all of those other movies that you're talking about yeah. where it's kind of like a primarily white cast with a white protagonist who's kind of doing this thing like this is going to be a completely different thing.
1: OK. Well, let me counter with A Wrinkle in Time. Right. That was a black director, Ava DuVernay, you had a black lead, female lead, young girl. And it didn't – it really wasn't that good of a movie. So <clears throat> do, do the factors here give you more hope?
0: Yes, here's my counter to that. Okay. This is this could be an entire conversation for of another course, day. Of course, of course. Uh, I think Ava DuVernay did some amazing things with *Wrinkle in Time*. Visually, I think, yeah. visually. Yeah. I think visually it Agreed. was a beautiful movie to look at. Yeah. I actually read *Wrinkle in Time* because I'd never read it, so mm-hmm. I actually read the book uh, before the movie came out. Okay. I read it while I was on a gay cruise, so I partied, and I was literate. Um, but I read *Wrinkle in Time*, and here's the problem <laughs> with *Wrinkle in Time*. *Wrinkle yeah. in Time* is an inherently religious book. Yes. It is very religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the choices that were made which I don't think were the wrong choices right. were to sort of pull back on a lot of that in their in this version. Mm-hmm. But I felt like they pulled back on that and didn't really replace it. Ah with anything, right. um, Children of Blood and Bone doesn't have those problems. There's no issues that you need to sort of work around okay. and Wrinkle in Time had that and I think that's where you get to the end of Wrinkle in Time and you're like, what? No. And it was really fresh in my mind because I would read the book. So I saw what was happening and I knew what they were going for mm-hmm. and I could also see like, oh, yeah, you took God out and uh, we didn't really fill it with anything and this is problematic. So I think okay. that's the thing. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. And certainly young adult is where people think they can make money and launching a franchise is really important. But I've seen so many fail that you hope this one maybe works. Yeah. You know?
0: I, I mean I think that – like I said, I, I highly recommend anybody to just go to Amazon right now and yeah. click on that book and get it. Uh, it's a wonderful read. Okay. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's really good source material and I think Lucasfilm is going to – yeah, hopefully really like you know go to town with it
1: yeah yeah we'll see uh, all right i'm um, speaking of diversity our last geek news item which is really not a news item necessarily but it's just a conversation real quick about some geek rumors <laughs> that should be a thing that should be a thing um i heard some stuff in the wind
0: in in interactions and conversations with people I just pictured you like going outside of collider and just standing on the roof as the wind blows as you're just like picking things up like rafiki and the lion king
1: Yeah, with lines this time, not like the live-action one where he didn't have any lines near the end. Um, Yes, uh, there have been some some stuff being kicked around I've seen on boards, uh, message boards, also on Twitter, and then possibly in conversations with other people who might know. And the wind. And the wind, yes, uh, uh, the colors of the wind. Uh, This idea that three names have popped up for certain roles in both Marvel and DC. And they've been kicked around possibly as may be happening. And uh, one I saw was John David Washington from Black Klansman, the lead Black Klansman. Or if you watch Ballers, he's leading Ballers. Uh, aside from The Rock, he's the player that's the lead. Uh, he is Denzel Washington's son. Um, but they're possibly considering him for the role of Two-Face. Uh, Harvey Dent. Right, right. The other one I heard was Maharshala Ali. There was a lot of rumors that he was being looked at for uh, the Riddler. Um, And now there are rumors that he might be being looked at for Commissioner Gordon. And then I heard another or saw another thing where on the Marvel side, they were looking at Giancarlo Esposito of um, Breaking Bad fame of the Jungle Book fame if you recognize his voice and of course Spike Lee do the right thing. number of Spike Lee films that Esposito appears in um, as uh, Norman Osborne in the spi- in the next installment of Spider-Man. So three black actors of different ages, um, four roles that are typically white. If, if any of these come true or all of them come true or some of them come true, what are your feelings about them being considered for
0: these roles? I think a few things. I think all three of them would be great choices for those roles. I mean, I think just hands down, like that's just great casting across the board. The Mahershala Ali one, I question only because (laughs) don't Marvel and DC have some non-compete clause? I mean, if he's Blade, can he also be Commissioner Gordon? Lawrence Fishburne has been in both universes at
1: the same time. Perry White. Oh. and in um whatever there was in the marvel side of things in the yeah in man and wasp ant man and the wasp yeah as giant
0: yeah i uh okay good point i think that i think that both those roles that he was yeah. that he that he was uh that he portrayed are not quite on the level of blade <laughs> and commissioner gordon right? good point. um that being said, I wouldn't be mad at it, right? Like, like if I get to go see Mahershala Ali be an amazing Commissioner Gordon and get to go see him be Blade, like I'm, I'm down, I'm in for it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the internet will probably do what the internet always does, right. um, and go yeah. crazy. SJWs, uh, yeah. So, oh, is diversity for diversity's sake, blah <laughs> blah 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 blah, um, and make me go crazy and make my head <laughs> hurt. Um, but but I think that they're all great. I think that. Probably the thing that makes me the most excited about all of that yeah. is that they're just looking for casting for Norman Osborn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that we've they've done such a good job of uh taking third tier villains in Spider-Man or you know bottom of the barrel villains in Spider-Man and making them awesome yeah. that to take this Spider-Man franchise which I think is arguably the best of all the Spider-Man we've had. Absolutely. And uh, except for the uh, Spider-Verse. Right. Um and then just finally giving us a Norman Osborn like i think that would be especially like with tony having died yeah so like having lost that mentor character and peter kind of finding a new mentor in Norman Osborn like i think that's just exciting yeah but yeah like i don't it's like it's really funny like i i don't get um and and i don't mean this like oh i'm so i'm so woke or whatever but like it I I don't care what color they cast any of sure. these heroes. like I, I literally could care less I care about like the actor or actress uh you know what they've done are they right for the role and like these guys are all right for those roles
1: yeah and I think that's what's inherently wrong with that oh damn SJW argument is that they're not putting in just any black actor into these roles or Latino actor or woman they're looking for the best quality good actor great actor to put into these roles. To give it a new dynamic, a new interesting way to go. We've seen Commissioner Gordon multiple times. If Lee plays Commissioner Gordon to a young Robert Pattinson's Batman, that's exciting to me. There's so much to play around with with those guys, you know? And especially with Lee's voice and his presence, his demeanor, he can play like we saw in Moonlight. He can be a very, like, warm, vulnerable, caring guy to a younger soul. What would that be like with Batman and the detective stuff they want to explore? Mahershala Ali can bring a bring a little more badassery to the role yeah. than maybe we've seen from uh, Pat Hingle. And, and poor Pat Hingle <laughs> yeah and uh, and uh, Gary Oldman
0: It's really funny <laughs> like when I was a kid uh, and saw Batman for the first time like that was sort of like my introduction in 1989 right, yeah. it was like my introduction into comic books so like to me it was all amazing like I thought everything was the greatest thing I'd ever seen yeah. and then I subsequently went and actually became someone who read up on all the Batman comics right. and you go back later and you're like I love you, Tim Burton. (laughs) But that? Right.
1: That was Commissioner Gordon? Look, I still contend nowadays that 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 film does not hold up for me. So I I get why it does for other people, but a little bit cheesy for me, a little schlocky for me. Um, The John David Washington, I know I just said they're picking great actors. John David Washington, I think, is still on the ascendancy as an actor. So I don't know about him as Two-Face. Although, having them be friends... Harvey Dent is the old school storyline of Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne being best friends from like wherever and then having them like kind of go on opposite sides of the law. Why not have uh, a person of different color play that two-faced yeah. character? There's nothing lost. Billy D. Williams the- played him
0: great, in 1989 Batman. Great. Nobody pops. cared back then. That's right. Lando Calrissian.
1: Yeah. Because he's a badass. Um but do you like Giancarlo Esposito? You only like it. Oh, you like it, but you like it. No, also I think he's great. No, I,
0: I think I think he has that right level of. Um, he is an actor that he can play really nice and warm and friendly. Yeah. Like I've seen him play really friendly, of but course. he can also like turn on a dime. And I think that's what you need. Like I don't want. Um, I don't need another Willem Dafoe, Norman Osborn, wow. who, like, comes in and is so evil right away that you're like, eh, OK. Right. Um, I want a Norman Osborn that I'm like, ah, I kind of like you. And he's subtle. Yeah. Right. Subtly evil would be good. Yeah. So I, I'm super down with all of that. I am not down with the – like I said, with already gearing up for the barrage of tweets that make me yeah. weep for humanity. But-,
1: but, but I mean the box office of those films that they came after have been incredible. So to me, that uh, anti-SJW minority and my, ironically minority uh, speaking and shouting out is irrelevant. And I think the cacophony of voices will – the volume will get lower and lower as, this, as, as these studios stick to their guns, move forward, create this content and generate money. Yeah. So that to me is, you know, eventually we'll be done with it as it goes along. And that will occur less and less, which is what we all would like. Um, all right. Let's move on. That's our, that's our geek news of the week.
0: You, Shannon texted us to say, don't tell everybody what show I'm on. Yeah, Like we would mess that up. I, I feel like we should tell everybody what show he's on right now just to make him mad. Actually, we
1: should tell him how, high you, how tall he really is.
0: Four feet. Without those lifts. Four feet, too.
1: He wears lifts. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, we can't tell you, tell you what show he's on. Um, because he would get upset. Um, but let's move on to, uh, our main news items of the week. So this is our, this is a, maybe some of you've been waiting with bated breath through the geek news items Woo! so we can get into this situation get here. <laughs> Woo, gotta stretch, stretch my legs. And if any of our friends are listening, you know, what's coming next. Uh, the Vogel, a uh, Roka throwdown possibly. Uh, but we're we each decide we each took a topic we haven't told each other what the topic is, so it'll be a surprise to both of us. Uh, and uh, we're just going to get into it. So, Michael, please. I get to go first. I think you do. Okay. Take it away,
0: um, John Roca. Yes. John Stephen Roca. Yes, that's me. You have been very public on social media mm-hmm. about your love of a certain movie franchise. <laughs> oh crap! Yes, I, as an executive. <laughs> for a certain toy company have worked on said franchise and although i have a deep and abiding love for said franchise <laughs> i have to tell you yes. that your love for those movies borders on the inane <laughs> john steven roca how yeah as a man of taste oh thank you can you defend the Michael Bay Transformers movies oh so finally it's come to this
1: (laughs) Uh, you know what's funny on Amazon Prime Day they dropped all those Transformers movies I bought the five five pack because they dropped it to like $40 so I was like wait Five movies in 4K for forty bucks.
0: They would have to pay me forty dollars to take would. those movies. Probably more than forty for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, I, I I understand, and this is a thing that gets lost in translation. People are like, people try to come at me on the internet all the time with my opinion about a film. And go, yeah, but you like the Transformers movies, and like the Transformers movies are fun, dumb movies, and I enjoy them for that because for whatever reason, the visuals, the sounds. The actors, the comedy, the weirdness of it all, except for the second movie, really works for me. And I have a blast watching those films. The other day, I watched about an hour of not last night, but the one before last night uh, with Mark Wahlberg, the whole China sequence. I watched the whole China sequence. Oh, God. And I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's the color of the film, it's the cleanness of the shots. It's the cinematography of the film. It's the way that those Transformers seamlessly fit into the real world that you're watching. Um, Then when he gets on top of the Dinobot and Autobots and blah, 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 whatever he says, I know Peter Cullen hated saying those words and hated, possibly hated the films. But I absolutely love how much craziness occurs within this world because remember and this is what I always tell people it's talking cars it's not fucking shakespeare
0: well okay but here's where here's where you and I disagree about it i think at the core level is like i we can both agree that they're dumb we disagree that they're even fun i think the first Fair movie enough. Uh, the first movie is maybe gets like a little twenty percent to Michael Bayish in there, mm-hmm. um, at pro- at points, but it's actually a fun movie, and the Transformers yeah. are fun, and you can actually tell them apart because yes. they are different colors. Um, I don't love all the Decepticons, but like the Autobots are pretty fun, and it's like as a Transformers fan, when I saw that first Transformers movie, mm-hmm. I was like, cool, cool, cool. From two on, it literally just gets worse and worse and worse. Like you can't tell the Transformers apart. He is so close up on all the action that you can't really tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. The robots are interchangeable. Like there's no personalities that are really given or if they are given personalities, they border on offensive slash racist at times. Well, there was certainly in the second film. and skids. Yeah. Well, it was terrible. Um, and – and ultimately, it kind of misses the points of what Transformers is. Like, you are right. It is talking robots that turn into cars. Yeah. But just like everything from the 80s that we've grown up loving and everything that's getting rebooted today, things including the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. including more Star Wars movies, including everything. Yeah. Um, you take this stuff, you take the source material, and you can either make something fresh, new, and different, yeah. or you can just take the source material and, like, shit all over it and just have a bunch of, like, giant metal things hitting each other. And that's kind of what the Transformers movies are.
1: Say, you're purposely missing the point. Am I? You are because the it's very clear that it is Autobot versus Decepticon for the future of the Earth. And they say it over and over and over again. The Allspark. Everything is
0: involved here. Even in last night when they all... When who are your they, favorite? Who are your favorite uh, Transformers in the movies? Optimus Prime. Aside obviously. from Optimus Prime and Bumblebee, all of them. That is a horrible, horrible <laughs> answer. It's a horrible, horrible. I'll, t- answer. I'll tell you the ones
1: that I that get on my nerves. Although I like the idea, the John Goodman one. I I Was wanted horrible right, and and the Ken Watanabe one. I really wanted both of those to be great because I like the idea of a gruff transformer with a mustache and a cigar and all that well, kind of stuff. You could jazz. have had Ironhide. Right. Well, yeah, true. Fair. But like, uh, but I, I don't think they 100% got those things right. That's fair. That's fair. But those, you know, you're asking me to take away the two top ones that I enjoy. The most, and so what's left in its place?
0: But also, that's the problem: is in five movies, yeah, with countless transformers because they keep killing them, yes, like just all over the place. That's true. Um, You know, even characters like Starscream, who actually is kind of a Shakespearean kind of character, uh, is barely utilized. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the problem. It's like, I actually don't have a problem if you just want to turn your brain off and watch a bunch of robots run around. Like, that's fine. Thank you. I do have a problem with two things. One, you saying those movies are fun, they are fun. They are a slog. They just get hard to watch. The stories are just like ridiculous Mm -hmm. and don't and barely make sense. And two, that you sort of use the excuse that the source material is so less than that it's okay that they did what they did with it. I never it. said it was less than. I don't,
1: it, I, it's talking cars. It's just it's talk, talking
0: cars. I'm saying it doesn't mean it's less than. You know what a bad talking car thing was? Turbo Teen, <laughs> The cartoon about the boy that turned into a car when it got cold. That was bad. That's why we Fair have enough. not seen a Turbo Teen movie. Fair enough. Transformers is actually – like, and I think also where you I and I – want to go dis- back to these. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Keep going. I think where you and I disagree on this is as someone who worked at Hasbro who worked oh, yeah. on – Talk about Several your versions. You know, when yeah. I came into Hasbro, um, the first thing that I did is I worked with uh, Jeff Klein uh, mm. and an amazing team, and we did Transformers Prime, yep, uh, which was an Emmy award-winning sort of reboot of the Transformers show, yep. And then and that's um, the, one the Rock did the first. That's episode, where Rock right? played Cliff Jumper in the yep. very first episode. Yep. Yep. And then subsequently, we also did Transformers Rescue Bots, which was our sort of younger ages Transformers show. Couldn't get on that, one. and uh, you that was, came close. Was you, uh, John, so close. John auditioned for uh, for Rescue Bots and came very, very close. Close. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then after that, we did uh, Transformers Robots in Disguise, which was sort of a follow-up to Transformers Prime, which you did get to play a Decepticon on. I did. Yes, I did. Springload. Springload. He was bright green and a frog, so he was very easy to tell (laughs) apart as opposed to all of the Decepticons in the awful Bay movies. How dare you? Um, So I think that (laughs) as someone who worked on on multiple versions of the Transformers shows and kind of worked as like went to Hasbro and sat down with the Transformers team and kind of really talked through the lore and talked through all the characters that you can use and probably knows more more about Cybertron and Unicron and the AllSpark and everything than I ever really need to know. Uh I watch the Transformers movies that Bay did and see everything that he left on the floor and everything he could have utilized to take the Transformers franchise and make it as compelling and interesting as Star Wars or the Marvel Universe. And it's not that. And I think that's where I get really frustrated is because I watch those movies and just see a giant missed opportunity.
1: Okay, Then how do you explain the fact that it – Made as a franchise four and a half billion dollars and was making more money every installment until this last one, the last night one. How do you explain that? Okay, if the, the movies are so terrible, as everyone seems to, you know, be on the cool kid side and claim it is, why did it make four and a half billion dollars? Weren't we
0: just talking about Venom? Didn't you just say Venom was a bad movie? When Venom does five
1: movie, four movies, and makes four and a half billion dollars, then I will stand corrected. Venom made what did you say? Eight hundred
0: over eight hundred. It's like eight hundred fifty something like eight hundred and fifty. And we both agree a it's a bad movie. Right, it is. The Transformers movies because of the spectacle, because of whatever reason people went to see those. But they went to go see them less and less and less. Those movies have diminishing returns. No.
1: Yes. No. The movie did the the sec, third fourth movies did better than the first and second movies. Yes, according to the Box Office Mojo, it was the last movie that the last night that really fell fell apart. See, this is my see, this, this, You, you get, you're walking into a debate with not enough bullets in your gun here. All right, well, here's a bullet in my gun, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so to speak. People at Hasbro, yes, who work on this yeah, brand, let's talk about that. Agree that that movie is not good. I'd want and I can't name names here, but I can tell right. you that after um, what was the one with the Dinobots? Extinction, yeah, ex- Age of Extinction. Age of Extinction. Yeah. I, love how I you act like you don't know which one it is. I went to, uh, I flew to Rhode Island for a meeting, and yeah. I went into a room, and there was some uh, Transformers people on the okay. Transformers team sitting there. Okay, and I was like, "What's wrong, guys? Why so glum?" And <laughs> one of them looked at why me. So why, glum? So, why so glum, chums? <laughs> and uh, one of them looked at me and was like, "I can't believe." What they did to Optimus Prime in that movie. They have crapped all over my childhood.
1: Oh, come on. But see, then – then, but how can you do it – how can you say that with one side of your mouth, all these people complaining about Ghostbusters doing the all-female thing is crapping on my childhood? When did I – wait, whoa, whoa, who said that? Why are you throwing that at mine? I'm saying people say that and the same people who are like complaining the Transformers crapped on their childhood are mad at other people who complain
0: the Ghostbusters crapped on their childhood. The all-female Ghostbusters – Mm-hmm. crapped on Ghostbusters, not because it was all female. It was because the script wasn't great. I agree. It was a bad move. Um, those those women actually all did really good jobs and were quite funny. Yes, they were. Um, the story, on the other hand, hugely problematic. Yeah, right. Um, okay. But it doesn't matter. We're not talking about Ghostbusters. We right. are talk- don't, don't try and do what you did to McClung with me. <laughs> we're not changing the subject. I'm, changing, so I'm, throwing, I'm giving in clarity. What? Perspective. You, you you cannot name any Transformers besides Bumblebee, Optimus Prime, Megatron, and Starscream. Sure, but I can't really name that many Transformers from the animated series, and I watched every single one of those. Yeah, but if you like these five movies, you saw five movies. Five movies. And you can only name four robots from five movies. That's You know why? Because the, uh, the, uh, the other Autobots are interchangeable. No, they're like not. Like you though. said, they die. They are not interchangeable. They're the same? They should not be interchangeable. Okay, okay. Like there's actually – you want to do something <laughs> – Go watch the 1986 animated Transformers movie. I own it. I will take that movie over those five movies any day. I know you will.
1: And most people who think like you will.
0: Most people who think like you... Dismissive. (laughs) Dismissive. (laughs) Revenge of the Fallen,
1: $836 million worldwide. Dark of the Moon, $1.1 billion worldwide. Transformers is third with $709 million worldwide. Age of Extinction, $1.1 billion worldwide. So... It was making more money as it went along. So clearly they had the right formula so, and people kept coming in. Just because
0: we this is being recorded for posterity. You yep. are saying that if a movie makes a lot of money, that means it's good.
1: No. I'm saying to you and first of all, I never said these movies were good, remember? Said, I'm sorry. If the movie makes fun, a lot of money. Movie.
0: If a movie makes a lot of money, that means it's fun. I think it's valid. So Venom is fun. No, I didn't understand it was fun. But that that, that I I don't understand the logic Well,
1: because you're trying to generalize, and I'm not going to generalize. Oh, I see. It's a case-by-case basis. Venom is not a good movie. Like Aquaman is not a good movie. That's a crap fucking movie. Made over a billion dollars.
0: I'll watch Aquaman over any of those Transformers movies, and I don't particularly love Aquaman. Do you not like good acting? Because there is good acting in those Transformers
1: movies. You're going to tell me Francis McDormand, John Voight, John Turturro, Stanley Tucci are doing bad acting in those movies? I mean –
0: are you going to tell yeah, me? That? Kind
1: of Are you not doing Peter Cullen's doing, doing bad they're acting not, in a movie? You're Peter gonna to say that for recording
0: posterity's sake. Peter Cullen is doing his best. Damn right he is. Because even better. though op, even though the character of Optimus Prime is not what uh, you would want him to be, what he intends it, what Peter Cullen intends it to be. Oh, wow! You're speaking for Peter Cullen's estate. Oh, respect. I'm just saying Peter Cullen takes Optimus Prime very, very seriously. I have had many conversations with him about. <laughs> Uh, how Optimus Prime was based on his brother, okay. who was in the army. Oh, that's fair. That's great. So then, explain how these films were able to be
1: to reach a billion dollars consistently. Because you can't compare it to now. Because now movies hit a
0: billion like it's nothing. But back then, a few years ago, it's not really a consistent thing. I think that I'm getting a high register. I apologize. I think that, and I've said this, and I said this at Hasbro, and I think this is where the rubber meets the road. And I'll <laughs> say this, and then. Uh, And I'll make the final point and get the last word and then we can move on to the next subject (laughs) so that I can have the last word. Fair enough. Um, I said this at Hasbro and I think this is the challenge with something like a Transformers. I think Michael Bay is a compelling visual director. Yes, he is. Like you can say a lot of things about him and his storytelling and how – the women in his movie or t- movies are treated. You can say a lot of things about Michael Bay, but yeah. he is a visually compelling director. Yep. And his visually compelling direction combined with people's love of this franchise and to your point, seeing giant robots that turn into vehicles running around on screen, the level of spectacle is so huge yeah. that I think it drew people to the theaters – uh, over and over again to my chagrin. So I you was,
1: think that people were like hypnotized to go back over?
0: I think... I th- not because they enjoyed it. I, I think that... I'm not saying people were hypnotized but I think people just... Th- I mean, I did it a couple times. I stopped after the last couple uh, but like I would be like, ugh, the last one was bad but oh, uh, that trailer was cool. It looked really neat. I'll go and see like that That was my... Sure. But um, you're not the sure. basis. But, I'm, but I'm, what I'm saying is and I, I can say this because I literally said this to... People that were very high up at Hasbro. They did not listen to me. (laughs) But I kept saying I think these movies make money because people love the franchise and love this concept. These alien robots that can transform, people love it. Mm -hmm. And as much money as these things are making, ultimately Michael Bay is hurting the franchise. And what I mean by that is – and I saw the research that said this is as much as those movies made money – Those movies also alienated young kids from the franchise. Mm. So when you looked at research that said kids could name all the characters in Star Wars, kids could name all the Marvel superheroes, kids could identify Spider-Man, Batman, like everything. Mm -hmm. And with Transformers, they couldn't identify anybody besides Optimus Prime and Bumblebee. They did not know the world. They didn't know what the Autobots and Decepticons were fighting about. They didn't know anything. So in the long run, Michael Bay's movies, as much money as they might have made, actually Hurt Transformers as a brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why you saw with Bumblebee they tried to make a younger, friendlier movie that didn't necessarily connect with audiences either. But I think that that's the thing is that as much money as those movies were making, had they given the movies to someone who understood the franchise more, the reward would have been even bigger. Possibly. You can't guarantee that. I – well – Part of what I got paid for was to be the person that made these leaps in logic creatively <laughs> and, I would, uh, and I often said this and I would say this right now. I would be like – I didn't get to do this in the movies because I worked on the TV side. But there are right. many times on the TV side where I said we should do something and when I was questioned about it, I would be like, if I am wrong, you can fire me. <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm, very, I'm a very big fan of like throwing myself on the fire and being like, if I'm wrong, I'll quit. I respect that. I never had to quit until I actually quit. Until you did quit. Um,
1: I know that's your last word, but I want to ask one last thing. Okay. If there are, have been conversations and interviews where certain people involved with the current Transformers franchise are saying they're going to make this next installment because the, the bubble will only made 400 and something million dollars worldwide, which in comparison with the others is, is really low. If they connected back to the Michael Bay formers, to the, to the Bay formers, and that movie makes a billion dollars, what is your what is your counter? That
0: is Michael Bay going to direct it? I don't know yet. Here is what I'll say: it's really simple. I actually think Bumblebee is. I understand why it didn't do huge. Mm-hmm. I think it's not a big big movie, but I think it's really sweet. It's really, a good movie, and I really enjoyed it. And particularly the first. Minute and a half of that movie on Cybertron gave me everything I ever wanted in a Transformers movie. I could actually – I saw R.C. I saw Ironhide. I saw Ultra Magnus. I saw a Mm -hmm. lot of characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because they did turn Bumblebee from a bug into a Camaro at the end of that Mm -hmm. movie. That was sort of an implication that they were going to go down that road. I don't have any problem with them connecting that up to where the Transformers were uh, in modern day in the Bay universe. As long as Bay doesn't direct it, and you get someone who actually has a love for the franchise and these characters, who's going to treat them differently. Can he executive produce? I mean, it's not my decision. (laughs) Okay. But the further—let me put it this way—the further away he gets from actually telling the story, I think the better off everybody will be. (laughs) That that should be the last one. There you (laughs) go. All right. All right. So that was mine. That was transfer. I feel that was a good. uh, It was. Got a little. uh, (laughs) I feel like I got my licks in. Um, you did. I, I, you're not going to top that. What do you have for me? You There's... didn't win. You didn't win necessarily. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like I won. Oh, of course you do. I feel like I a feel winner like, right now. I feel
1: like it was a good fight. And we went back to the corners good, and it was a draw. It was a good discussion that I won. So what's the next object? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how you do with this one, Chico. Uh, <laughs> so Kevin Smith this week, uh, in an interview or something to that effect, mentioned that there is a Snyder Cut. Oh. It does exist. It's thirty to forty million dollars away
0: from being finished. And this, for our listeners who aren't uh, oh, geeked yeah, sure. about super awful things, Lord God. Uh, you're referring to the the, the Snyder Zach, cut yeah. of Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, since he came off halfway through the movie, more than halfway, more, more, half. more than halfway through, yeah. since he since he left the movie after a family tragedy, and right. Joss Whedon came in and finished it. Mm-hmm. And Warner Brothers said it was just going to be light reshoots, but it really ended up being a very, very different movie.
1: Yes, it did. Um, this campaign will not die. It does not go away. It was at Comic-Con this year. They took out $15,000 for an airplane banner and billboards with the money going to the Association for Suicide Prevention because of what happened with Zack Snyder's daughter. Um, and $100,000 has been donated to this organization by Snyder fans. Um, According to Screen Rant, they have maintained that a significant percentage of the movie has been completed. Snyder completed 100% of principal photography and was several months into post-production, which has been collaborated, uh, or corroborated rather, by Snyder collaborator and Justice League storyboard artist Jay Oliva. Mark Hughes from Forbes recently said on Twitter that he has learned the cut is likely 90% or more complete. And Kevin Smith says he's talked to enough people close to production to confirm it's real. And most importantly, Snyder himself confirmed the Snyder cut exists. Once again, this is all coming from a screen rant. And according to a new report from The Telegraph, citing a VFX expert from a major effects house that worked on the movie, the movie was still months away from delivery when Joss Whedon came on board, who replaced Snyder. It seems very unlikely to me that there was anything close to a releas- releasable cut of the film. Put it another way, if there was a near-finished movie that everyone was happy with, then WB would have got the editor to complete it rather than drop another thirty to $40 million. But Zack Snyder has been tweeting stuff and posts. Uh, there's a previs, apparently, of Wonder Woman decapitating Steppenwolf cyborg oh. inside of a mother box. Um, but Kevin Smith's description is a potential 30 to $4 million cost to complete. complete. Um, so you look at this and you hear this news. Are we closer to a Snyder Cut than we
0: ever would have been? Are we closer to a Snyder Cut than we ever want to be? Oh, wow. That's the question. Wow. Strong statement. OK. Um, Coming out with the big guns. Oh, God. This yeah. movie. Um, <laughs> Why does this bother you so much? This excites me. Why does it excite you? Because I like when a creator is allowed to finish
1: their vision, for better or worse. If, if what we got was that mishmash of the justice, which I don't 100 percent hate, by the way, um, I would like to have seen this other version of the darker universe that Snyder laid the groundwork when. Ev- okay, okay, sorry. I'll no, no, no it's please. Okay. Please, please finish. John. With, please. <laughs> with Man of Steel and, of course, with, uh, with uh, Batman v Superman, which I'm not 100%, uh, which I don't 100% like, obviously. But, like, I want to see, curiosity's sake, that he could do this. Remember, this happened to Richard Donner. Man, they eventually risked the Donner cut. So, couldn't they release a Snyder cut on Blu ray? Um, and I'm sure they could raise 30 to $40 million, no problem, if they did a Kickstarter for this thing. Couldn't they just do that, have Snyder come back, finish the film, release the thing, and be done with it? Why deal with this hassle?
0: Well, what's the upside for Warner Brothers? I mean, I guess making some money on a Blu-ray sale? Like- you, you're already moving on from that universe. You're not going to go back to that universe anymore.
1: That's the upside. You lose nothing releasing the cut. You get you. Bring goodwill back
0: with the fans, do you though I think you do I mean aside from those super vocal Snyder fans on Twitter who frighten me um do are people clamoring for this yes like there's a there I feel like there's a very vocal minority okay. that wants to see this and nobody else cares well if they're able to raise hundred thousand dollars it's not that small of a minority hundred thousand dollars is not thirty to forty million dollars it's true. and I think that for Warner Brothers the point. upside of because like like you said, it it sounds like if there is a cut, even if he did all the principal photography, most of it was on green screen, yep. most of it was like there like there's no special effects, there's no so like there's probably a significant amount of work that would have to go in. It's not like there's a cut that's just sitting there that they could just like dump out. Like they would have to go in and really like do some work on this thing. Well, yeah. And the question is for let me put it this way: my opinion, and I think a generally accepted opinion is that for yeah, I love for, how you
1: present it that way. For
0: go the people ahead. that don't like the Snyder-verse, the Snyder movies. Sure, sure, sure. The thing that makes them unlikable is it is a dark, depressing, brooding DC universe. Yeah, but then we like the boys. What's the difference? The boys is fun. It's dark. Yeah. It's but, depressing. Yeah, No, but it's dark and fun. And there's only one redeemable person. The characters, again, I'll, well, okay, hold on. Let, back up. Hold that thought. Okay. Okay. Uh, for people that don't like these movies, Man of Steel came out and it was a dark and brooding version of Superman, which some people think is great. It's and not some as dark was, as people think. It's not super dark, but it is a darker, more brooding Superman than any other version that I can think of. realistic Superman. Yeah. That's one interpretation. <laughs> then Batman versus Superman comes out and it's even darker. Yeah, and not that good. And everything that you were saying and everything that I've read about Zack Snyder's version of – Uh, Justice League Mm -hmm. is even darker than Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Like Lois Lane dies in the Batcave. Right. Uh, Batman is going crazy and his nightmare that he had in Batman versus Superman is coming to life. Yeah. You just, Wonder Woman is decapitating Steppenwolf. Like it just sounds like, it sounds like you were going down this road that was getting even darker than Batman versus Superman which didn't do great at the box office because it was so dark. Yeah. And also um in addition to that with all the things that Zack Snyder is tweeting about and that people are saying are rumored to be in this it sounds like it's more of a confusing hodgepodge mess i mean look batman versus superman gave us a uh, alex luthor who was like superman's an alien that's bad i'm going to make my own alien yep. and then the big resolution of batman versus superman was martha yeah i mean the movie's a mess yeah i did i don't disagree with and you. everything it sounds like he was just doubling down on his mess that he made Mm -hmm. to be even more complicated and messier in this movie. So look, although I don't think Justice League is a great movie um, and it does definitely feel like two different directors pushing and pulling on each other throughout the film, um, the little bit of levity that you got out of there, the little bit of fun, Mm -hmm. I I would watch Justice League again before I would watch Batman versus Superman for sure. I don't disagree with you there. Um, So I just think that Zack Snyder's You are right that any director, any creator has the right to see their vision fulfilled. Or should have. I think that Zack Snyder uh, has proved in two and a half movies that his take Mm -hmm. on the DC universe, Mm -hmm. uh, the vast majority of people don't want. And there are a few people that do. There are, there are a few people... That's a ridiculous narrative. There is this, there is this tiny group of people hiding in a <laughs> high school gym somewhere, tweeting everything out that want to see this. This is a lie. And aside from them, nobody else wants to see this movie. Why would Kevin Smith talk about it if he's not interested in seeing it? Kevin Smith is a big name to have
1: attached to the situation. And all these people that were involved with the production want to uh, uh, you know release stuff about the movie. So to me, I think there's a way stronger contingent than some people hovered, uh, you know, huddled in a school gym
0: somewhere. There's more to I mean, this. Look, there's a contingent of people that want HBO to redo the last two seasons of Game of Thrones as well. It's a ridiculous request. That's a ridiculous I think request. Game of Thrones is super disappointing. I'm not happy with that ending. Right, I don't right, want right. them to go remake it. Yeah. And I think that Zack Snyder had his shot. Like, he had his shot. Yeah, he but got, they took it he away from two, him. He, yes, for a good reason. Okay. Like, I think at the end of the day, and this is what it boils down to, is yeah. I don't begrudge Zack Snyder saying, well, I mean given Zack Snyder's uh, movies up to the Man of Steel and yeah. Batman versus Superman, I think it's a questionable choice um, between Sucker Punch and – Sucker some Punch of is his, terrible. Sucker Punch is terrible. Right. Um, but 300 is incredible. Yeah, but 300 – there's not a lot of story to 300. It's pretty – 300 sells itself completely on visuals and Zack Snyder is really good at that. That's why I love it. Um, he's like, hey, I'm going to show a bunch of Spartans. Yeah standing up and killing everybody and he did it and it was great and it was super simple and clear and it was good. After that, it's like his storytelling – The the challenges he has with storytelling on some level became more apparent post three hundred as he continued to move forward. That's fair, and I think Sucker Punch more than any Mm -hmm. really showed that. Mm -hmm. But Watchmen is the director's cut is really good. That we can debate. That is not the debate right now. We can debate that another day. (laughs) Oh my god! Um, I think Watchmen is a beautiful looking movie. Uh, You're insane. That somewhat misses the point. The original cut is is terrible.
1: The the director's cut is great. Mm.
0: Um, but look, Batman v Superman, $872 million worldwide. you loved love to just like quote these numbers to me even these though we started this. matter. They, but we just started this by talking about Venom and how horrible it is. But that's different. It's – you know, okay. Case by case basis. Okay, so, so when it serves your purpose, the box office is good. But when it doesn't serve your purpose, the box office is bad. Well, it goes both ways. I'm going to kill you. I Six,
1: swear to God. $686 million for Man of Steel worldwide. What I'm saying to you is you're trying to say that a, a vast majority of people didn't like it. But that's not true. The numbers don't bear it out. You don't make almost
0: a billion
1: dollars. Warner Brothers, Warner
0: Brothers looked at Batman versus Superman yes.
1: as, a, as a failure. Agreed. I do know that, yes, thoroughly. They like, did see it as, like you can't, but
0: Justice League was even more of a failure for and sure. a debacle. But, but I think that like one of the things that you're leaving out with these numbers is yeah. you're throwing a number out like look how much money this made without – Comparing that to how much the money the movie cost to make and how much they spent on promotion, marketing, everything else. So all things being equal, yes, Batman versus Superman made a good chunk of money. Yeah. But it's not like it was an indie film they made for 20 mil. (laughs) Like this was a movie that cost a ton to make. Yes. And Warner Brothers did not see a solid return on investment. Now compare that Mm -hmm. to Infinity War or Endgame. Right. Where right, right, right. everyone's super happy. Fans are super happy. Critics are super happy. Sure, the sure. studio is super happy. So like, again, there's this group of people sitting in a gym somewhere in middle America that uh, that, that Zack Snyder High School um, at <laughs> Zack Snyder High School. That group of people is like, we want to see this. We raise money. We really want this. But the studio wasn't really happy with it. Yeah. Clearly, um, a vast majority of critics. We're not happy with it. Sure, sure. And a significant number of fans are really not about that movie. I don't see, but that, you can't say that. A significant number of fans. I went just out cause cause and asked, you were, I, before this, did pop, you? I went out and asked everybody in the street. <laughs> and a significant <laughs> number of people in the street said they did not care for that movie.
1: I would counter, that's just one street. There are other streets where they would have cared for well, it. Well, at Zack Snyder High School, they all loved it. <laughs> Zack Snyder High School is terrible to think about. It's all dudes <laughs> with abs and big muscles and girls with tight uh, skirts and tight yeah. uh, and the girls' halter tops. The, the
0: girls never get asked any questions in class because nobody cares what they think and it's always raining and everybody walks in slow motion from class to class. And and you
1: can always see their panties or whatever. Oh god, this is a
0: horrible school.
1: uh, (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) But I, you know what? I, I think there is a large contingent of people who do want to see this Snyder Cut, whether they want to admit it or not. I think they do. There wouldn't be this kind of a groundswell. This is legitimately a, ground roots, a
0: grassroots movement. I will admit I will admit that I am shocked by Right? The, no other thing happens like that. But I will also say that these Snyder fans uh, on Twitter, who I've encountered once or twice- Yeah, sure. Uh, they prove their own point in the way that they treat everybody else. I, I don't mean, disagree,
1: but some of the DC fans are that way too. I mean when I got into a Kalinowski one time a couple of years ago, that was a horrible experience. Some of the terrible things people said to me just because I happened to say something wrong about Batman v. Superman. I mean, or not wrong but like have an issue with something. Fandoms are toxic. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. That's a separate conversation. I, I, I think I, – I, here's the thing because you got the last word on Transformers. Here's what I'll say is because we got to wrap up here. Um, I think we should get that Snyder cut. If there's 30 to 40 million, it's up to Warner Brothers if they want to do it, obviously, because they own the damn film. They can allow it to happen or not allow it to happen. But I wonder where the groundswell hits that kind of critical mass thing where the Warner Brothers goes, OK, fine. If you can raise the 30 to 40 million, we'll let Zach do it. But then it's about Zach wanting to because once Zach walks back in to do it, that's a whole nother ball game. Uh, because if he fails at it and it comes out and a movie is terrible then Zach takes a loss I think there's also a possibility here that Zach is milking this thing for the attention for the the uh, woe is me thing and people and getting people on his side for his next project because if this if the money actually does get raised and Warner Brothers goes yeah okay go do it Zach if don't be surprised if Zach finds excuses not to do it there's a possibility there, don't you think?
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't think there's a lot left for Zach to do. I mean, like, it sounds like the movie, like, if, if he did all the principal photography yeah, and stuff, yeah. like, it's basically him working with a special effects team to, like, fill out all the special effects and drop everything. Like, I mean, I you think You can't that, do reshoots. Yeah, no, exactly. So, right. like, there's not going to be any reshoots yeah, or take anything. Take what it is. I, you know what? I hope the movie does come out. Thank you. And I hope everybody sees it so that they see how horrible it is and they all drop out of Zack Snyder High and go <laughs> to another better school. Like Ryan Coogler Academy or James Gunn University or – I don't know
1: about James Gunn University. I'm
0: cool with Ryan Coogler Academy. Or uh, or, uh, the Russos by the Shore. It's a beach academy. Sure. The Russos by the Shore sounds Um, good.
1: Yeah. But that's tough to get into the Russos by the Shore. It's pretty expensive. It's an expensive school. It is an expensive school. school. Uh, All right. Well, that's uh, this episode of the Geek Buddies. As you can tell, I won both of these arguments. So
0: it's – That is incorrect. (laughs) That's incorrect. He thought he would take me to the cleaners. He did not. I, I feel like I won both of these arguments. You're an insane person
1: and you didn't. Uh, there. This was a fun – this is just a window into what Michael and I, I do with Shannon regularly anyways have these kind of battles whether on text or in person. On uh, text it
0: gets exhausting and Roka gets mad at me.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. M- Mr. Innocent over there, please. I,
0: I am always just charming and nice in my text messages. <laughs> yeah. And I get attacked <laughs> – But it's okay because I'm usually right like I was tonight. Oh, Jesus.
1: I like the three-word send-off. That's my favorite text to get from Mike Vogel, the three-word send-off.
0: What what, what three words? Whatever. I'm tired. That's
1: my favorite (laughs) (laughs) send-off.
0: Because because you're exhausted.
1: Yes, I am. Because I believe in things and fight to the end. See what happens when Shannon's not here? Yeah, we need our buffer, for God's sakes. Uh, Anyway, all right, that's this episode of The Geek Buddies. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to our thoughts on the geek news items and debating these two topics that pretty much – or uh, what we debate about re- anywhere regularly when it pops up. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Michael, what do you want to say?
0: Uh, I want to say, uh, listen, give us a listen. Tell your friends to check us out. Uh, drop us on Facebook. Tell everybody who likes movies, who likes comics, who likes all these things to give us a listen. And then go on, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it and give us some stars. Give us some likes. Give us some comments. Uh, it really helps us out, and we really want to keep growing, and we want more buddies to come yeah. join, the, join the conversation. Also— um, hit us up on Twitter and tell us who you thought was right uh, oh. Me or John uh, <laughs> I, Hashtag Vogel is right Hashtag Roka is right Hashtag justice for Roka uh, yes, So let's give us that What is what is our Twitter handle? Shannon always oh does this part Oh my god, what is wrong with At, you? Hold on they want you bring it up? Hold on, I'll bring it up Our, our Twitter handle is uh, Let's see here I'm gonna tell you right now, everybody. This is Shannon's job. I don't. I don't do this part. Well, you knew he wasn't gonna be here, so you should have. Prepared. At Geek underscore Buddies right. on Twitter. So check That's us right. out there. Uh, Roka, what else? Uh, you can also, uh, as Mike said, leave
1: reviews on iTunes. Leave the ratings on iTunes. That really helps us move up the chain uh, there and get seen by more people. And yeah, as Mike said, retweet it. Post it. Tell people about it. All of you who are friends of ours, if you're not posting it on your own social media, then people aren't getting to learn and enjoy us, especially if you have a a big following. We'd appreciate you giving us a little love. Just a retweet and a comment. That would be great. Take it from the Geek Buddies account on Twitter or uh, Michael's account or Shannon's account or my account if you follow any of us because it helps us uh, grow the show and if you want to follow us on Instagram it's the underscore geek underscore buddies B-U-D-D-I-E-S there and uh, you know we're active on social media and we're active doing the stuff we do here you can follow Michael at mk Tune, follow Shannon at something
0: what I yeah he got it Shannon a, underscore McClone Shannon under yeah I think is what it is, and
1: then you can follow me at the Roca says. And thanks to everybody who's come along on the journey with us. Our numbers have been consistent week to week, and I really, we really appreciate you all coming with us and and giving our show a little show, little engine that could show uh, a chance. And please. Keep listing, Keep promoting it. And we, we are doing so much more content for you. We'll have a, a review of The Boys coming up uh, soon. Uh, uh,
0: it's my fault we haven't done it yet. I still have two episodes left to watch. <laughs> Once I finish these two episodes, we'll do our spoiler review. Uh, it's coming. Absolutely.
1: And we're dropping this on a Thursday, So, but we have on Friday – uh, which is the next day if you're listening to us when we drop this thing, we're going to drop the uh, spoiler review for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's been a couple of weeks. We don't necessarily like to drop spoiler reviews the week of films coming out. I know there's a lot of you that take your time getting the movies, so we want to drop them after a week or two uh, that they've been out so that you can enjoy the movie and then listen to our review. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening to us to- this week, and we will see you next time on The Geek Buddies. Hey!